You are listening to CFRC 1019 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. History has been made. If people were not following uh, what was going on with Avengers Endgame this weekend, you, you, I don't know, just get off the planet. Did it make one point um, two billion? One point two billion dollars worldwide. Now, to put that into some context for everybody, um, it made three hundred and fifty million dollars in. Um, in the end U.S., game. like and no. and did three hundred fifty right. million dollars just in the United States. Mm-hmm. So it made seven hundred fifty in other parts of the world. The next highest grossing opening ever in the United States was under two hundred and fifty million dollars. So and it beat it, it by over one hundred and fifty million. What was the one? Uh, Infinity War. Okay. And and I think Black Panther was close to that number. And then as well. like, I think after that, it's like what Avatar, uh, Avatar, and then Titanic. Uh, Titanic. Yeah, and so. All of all time, I think there's only been a handful of movies that have ever made two billion dollars, all time. Like there's a handful of them. I feel like Gone with the Wind has, a record, the wind has a record for the highest grossing because of inflation. So right. you have to add inflation to that. So Gone with the Wind, Avatar, um, and Titanic yeah. are three of those movies that basically, if you add inflation, they've they've grossed mm-hmm. what would be equivalent to over two billion dollars. And Avengers Endgame is halfway there after four days pretty bananas so bananas that if you try to go see avengers on a monday at 2 15 which i tried to do it's sold out you know what today is tuesday yeah dan's dad tried to go yesterday i wonder if he got in that's the thing what are people doing do they not have work or school or anything like at 2 15 on a monday you can just go see a movie well dan's dad's retired well no they had yeah, in that and, you know and Mike had a, a theory. He said, you know, all of the diehards saw it on the weekend mm-hmm. and people who hadn't seen it yet are going to go on Tuesday because yeah. it's cheap day. So yes. he thought he'd be safe Monday. Monday. But you said it was sold out. Yeah. So a friend of mine and I. So I, I have to reveal how many times I saw this movie because we yes. did do a bunch of polls for it. But um, OK, I'll just do it now. So I saw it three times. Yes. I was trying to see it a fourth time yesterday to to break into the the four um, which was where the poll was, but but my friend and I went and we showed up at the theater and it was sold out. How early did you show up? Uh, only about we we got there probably about two o'clock, so it was only about fifteen minutes before. Rookie but, mistake. I, okay, but it was a Monday at two o'clock. Like, yeah, I, I know. Just... But y- did you go to the Cineplex? Yes. That place is really busy. I know, and I frequently didn't... I go and movies are sold out. I haven't been to the Cineplex in a while. I usually go out to Landmark. So who even knew? To be honest, when was the last time a theater had a matinee at two? On a Monday, like it's, I would see that on a holiday, or like four o'clock is yeah, four pretty o'clock, normal. Yeah. Um, but it's not even summer yet. There's a lot of people still in school, so that's it. it was just confusing. A lot me. of retirees yeah, or people yeah. who work shifts. Like I, I think a lot of the diehards like like me went and saw it on the preview performance on Thursday. Yeah. 
um, or Friday for the official opening and then are now on rewatch numbers two or three because that's the thing about this number the fact that how much how many people how much money it made it it can't infinity infinity war which leads right into this movie didn't break these records so either a lot of people caught up to it yeah. on streaming which makes sense because it went on netflix or a lot of people were seeing this movie multiple times which is a three hour and two minutes long movie so it's you know it's a lot of time to commit but yeah i ended up seeing it three times and it i, I have to say i i'm not going to spoil anything about it and i do want to talk about it at some point in time in the episode it's an incredible movie I had a great time with it. I'm really happy with the way they went with this movie. Um, every moment where sometimes you might be thinking, oh, this is cliche, or oh, I've seen this before, or, oh, they're doing this, they nailed it every single time, which was an incredible. It, it worked out better than I could have imagined it even in my own head, which uh, to me is a huge compliment to, to these movies because they're usually relative. I mean, it's a superhero movie. It, it has a certain pattern to it. This one did a lot of amazing things. Cool. So, so now I remember last week you said, oh, once the movie's done, what will I have in my life? <laughs> yes. And I said Game of Thrones. That's correct. But it sounds like, you know, you have a couple rewatches in you still. So yeah, I, I'll check back in with you yeah, next week. I, the record for me seeing any movie in the theater and how many times is I saw The Force Awakens six times in theaters before it left. So it's the first of the new Star Wars movies that came out in 2009. So um, this, I think, maybe not 2009. That's not right. right. It came out in 2013 or 2012. Um, so I don't know if I have six in me. We'll see. But I, I it's will. It's going to be in theaters long enough. Yeah, I will be seeing it for sure again this weekend because my friend who wanted to go yesterday, we decided we'll go Saturday or Sunday morning or something. Um, so we are going to go see maybe it. Maybe buy your tickets online. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. That's what I normally do. Well, you know, it's just in. But, Monday afternoon. Because it's a Monday afternoon at 2.15. I mean, I knew what I was doing there, but what is everybody else doing there? Like, don't you have a life or a job? Um, yes, Game of Thrones, I'm very excited about. I watched the episode on the weekend, and that's that's got three more episodes left of that. Um, but I am slowly starting to run out of things in my life. <laughs> Definitely. So, you know, <laughs> so we'll reassess. We'll reassess as 2019 continues to well, roll on. Well, a lot on. of things are happening in the fall. You know, the new Joker movie's yep, October. Yeah, uh, Christmas time is a new Star Wars yes, movie. That's true. So we'll get you to December. Yeah, I can at least get to December. And then my birthday is in January, and so that's usually you... a bad time. So oh. <laughs> that's like, we'll, that's like we'll, continuing to age. So I don't know. We'll, we'll keep checking we'll in keep periodically. Checking in. <laughs> um, we, so today's episode is going to be a lot of different things. I, I am going to talk a little bit more about Avengers. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if we get to it and if it naturally makes sense. But we do want to review a couple movies that we saw at the screening room as well. Um, and uh, we've got uh, some great headlines. And uh, who knows what else? We have so many things to talk about. Um, we do have some fan questions and comments and we're going to get to those first now i haven't read these all the way through and we're hearing from our star trek correspondent tyler who has written a novel for me to read and i just (laughs) my own mistake i didn't i didn't read like read it beforehand so i'm gonna be reading that live so thanks tyler whoever yeah whoever writes in every time we read something saying why can't you read this This is is we're gonna have someone because our star trek correspondent decided i'll write a novel for them and we didn't practice and so (laughs) next week we can expect uh how come you don't know how to read properly? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'll do my best. So first, first we just have a comment here from Kathy who writes in and says, hi, Taylor and Mike, another great show. I also went to see the woman who loved giraffes personally. Oh, sorry. There's a giraffe emoji. 
Personally, I would recommend seeing this on a large screen for the beautiful scenery, and because giraffes are so large, I feel like seeing the movie enhances the experience. A great film to also see is Hotel Mumbai, which I also checked out um, this week as well, um, based on true events, an amazing film with a great actor, Dev Patel. Um, yeah, I agree. I think Hotel Mumbai is really worth seeing. Dev Patel's kind amazing of in it. flew under the radar. It did. There was what almost no buzz a, about it. I know it's based on true events, but what are the true events? I don't... Um, I don't want to say too much without spoiling it, but basically Dev Patel plays um, a, a character um, who is uh, involved in, in and around this hotel, um, and it's about the characters and people that they meet within that, but then something happens that's dramatic. That again, because it, it's based on true events, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but I also, the the trailer I saw before into the movie didn't give me a lot of information, so I'd like I feel to go like off there the trailers. Like based on the trailer i feel like there's like an attack there's an attack of sorts but there's some interesting things that happen in and around the attack that's kind of cool it makes me think of hotel rwanda um because of the name yeah no it doesn't <laughs> it, it feels doesn't very have, different okay it doesn't no. have the same vibe no not at all okay um but dev patel gives an amazing performance in the film and who's there's another actor uh yes what is it? I mean, obviously, there's another actor, but I feel like you know, <laughs> there's, there's like a one co, actor. there's like a co-star, and he's um, fairly. I'm gonna pull it up because I can't remember the name. Oh, Army, Army yeah, Hammer. There you go. I knew it was someone we talk about a lot. <laughs> Did he do a good job? Army Hammer was good in, in the movie. Um, I feel like he not always as gives much, a solid performance. Yeah, not as much screen time as you really are with with Dev Patel, who is working at this hotel when the incident happens um army hammer does give us all performance but i think we talked about army hammer just like alexander skarsgård and a couple other actors were like just a consistent good performance like there's not i don't think there's huge range there but it's never disappointing he's never like chewing the scenery which is that's good you know no no in everything i've seen army hammer and he's been great yeah yeah um so thank you, Kathy, for that comment. So here, here we go. Here comes Tyler. Now, we are going to break this up because there are some specific questions for you and me. Okay. So we'll pause to answer those questions. So Tyler says, first of all, thanks again for having me on the show a few weeks back. Reviews of my performance for my friends include surprisingly coherent <laughs> and not nearly as nasally as I would have thought you'd be. Oh, <laughs> oh. do you have allergies? <laughs> no, <laughs> he doesn't. I mean, I thought he was fine. Um, seriously, though, it was a pleasure, a privilege, and a personal highlight of the year. Well, th- and thank you tyler for filling in um that was two three weeks ago now i thought he did a great job Good. it was a great episode um again i i think not good not to know most... that i'm easily replaced well <laughs> when it comes to star trek knowledge <laughs> let's just say we, he's better than you in that sense i'll take that <laughs> but no i don't think you're you're easy to replace but i thought he did a very good job um talking about star trek and it was a fun episode and got a, got a lot of listens later on wasn't very well downloaded for the first week, but has, but since I can, then has I can assume listens. that like people who then who maybe who like Star Trek Googled or whatever and found yeah, it yeah. that way. And I think we've actually gained quite a lot of listeners over the past couple of weeks since our 90s episode. So people have I've noticed people have been going back and downloading previous episodes that I liked. So cool. Uh, OK, so first he has a question for you. Got it. How much of Guillermo del Toro's other stuff have you seen? So this is probably in regards to Hellboy. Yeah. Do you have a favorite in keeping with the viewership's attempt to pigeonhole you both into specific <laughs> genre films? Del Toro seems like a filmmaker that would be right up your alley. Very gothic aesthetic, witchcraft, um, demons all over the place. Personal favorite is Pan's Labyrinth. So I've seen Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. 
Um, have you seen? So he also mentions Crimson. I've seen Peak Crimson Peak and Pacific Rim. I have not seen Pacific Rim, and I haven't seen. I believe he's made um, like more Spanish horror movies. Like I think yeah. it's called The Orphanage, mm-hmm. and I think there might be Mother. Uh, Mother wasn't him. Um, or, but he's made the orphanage, right? Yes, the orphanage, so, and there was a prequel movie about those characters that he also made. So I haven't seen those, but I've always it's always kind of been on my like long to watch list. I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with it. Oh, and I've seen The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things I have seen by him, I do um, like. I kind of have negative memories of Pan's Labyrinth because of the person I watched it with. So oh. I, I haven't returned to that film. <laughs> But um, I did enjoy watching it. I like the atmosphere and the world yeah. building he does. So I eventually want to go back and watch his older kind of more. Yeah. I guess I would describe it as kind of like straight horror. Like the orphanage yeah. is more yeah. or less kind of like a straight mm-hmm. um, horror movie. And I look forward to the things that he'll be working on in the future. You know, I really liked Crimson Peak. I think it yeah, unfortunately suffered from really bad um, promotion. Yeah. Like, I think it was marketed in a way it was marketed uh, for something that it wasn't. Um, so maybe people that had it been marketed correctly, maybe people who then, you know, I think the people who saw it wanted something else. And then Mm -hmm. the people who probably would have liked it stayed away because they didn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally get what you're saying. And I, and I think that that, that can really kill a movie. Yeah. Poor marketing and, and not knowing how to market those types of films but yeah i mean i i agree with what tyler's saying i feel like he would be right up your alley in terms yep. of the films that he makes and what i've seen i've enjoyed mm-hmm. i'd like um again i haven't seen all of his body of work so i'll have to kind of reassess and i look forward to the thing i know um gosh i think he's he's always you know in in headlines saying such and such is um attached to new del toro yeah. and yeah i think um I think Leonardo DiCaprio is linked to a new Del Toro project. That would be good. um, Called Nightmare Street. I might be conflating this with a different, but it's about a con artist who works at a, who's working like a carnival. Yeah. Um, So that sounds like a really cool project that I'd like to see. And again, I may be completely wrong. That might not be Del Toro, but I know. um, So, you know, I'm always seeing in the news and he seems like a nice guy too. I know that's not related to the question, <laughs> no, but, no, but he seems yeah. like a nice, no, yeah. like a nice guy. Yeah. So long and the short, I've seen a bit of his work. I'd like to see more. And yes, I've, I've liked what I've seen so far. Cool. Um, I also really enjoyed Crimson Peak. I really liked that movie. Really cool movie. Yeah. Good performances. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, um, I, I thought that it was kind of a smaller role, but Charlie Hunnam, <sighs> who had yes. just come off of doing, um, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. I thought he was actually quite well. And mm-hmm. the, there was a movie I saw about. Lost World of Z. Yes. Lost World of <laughs> he's Z. Really good. He's yeah, really good. He's really good in that actually too. Really good I think too. Robert Pattinson has a really small part in in Lost World of Z. I'm thinking I can't, I don't his like sidekick, he has a beard. I think it's Robert Pattinson. Really? Who's gonna be in high life. Oh. Who's making like he's really distancing hmm. distancing himself from Twilight. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, you would need to. If you haven't seen Lost World of Z, you see that. I really that's like that under... movie. Yeah, and and Charlie Hunnam's one of those actors where I'm like, I'm really interested to see what he can do now. And he's done two movies that I really like, and then did that weird King Arthur movie that was strange. But you know, I I'm kind of he's one of those actors. I'm surprised he's not getting more big opportunities. Maybe he's being choosy on purpose. Yeah. I think yeah. he might be one of those actors who wants to spend time with his family. Yeah, like he'll do one project 
a year. I think yeah. I read a, an article about him saying that he wants to... Because he's actually English. There's a lot of people who... Actors who choose to do that one yeah. project a year or one every couple of years. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe he's just being typecast yeah, as maybe. Jack's Teller. Um, okay, so the next question or more of a statement is more directed at me. So Tyler continues and says, uh, I'm super stoked for Avengers Endgame and cannot deal with the suspense. No, neither can I. Uh, there's been a few video essayists and film writers that have pointed out that the first three phases of the MCU have been an overarching theme of fatherhood. A lot of these movies deal with the relationships between a father and his... Broad? 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 Oh, I've never heard that term being Like used. a broad of children? Oh, cool. <laughs> it, it, that's actually, t I mean, now that he points that out, that's actually quite true. Even Thanos can be seen as an abusive father, not just to Gamora, but to the universe at large. That's actually a good point. Um, moving on to phase four, where do you think or would the MCU go, um, both plot and theme-wise? Sincerely, Tyler, the mouse who got to play Vance. <laughs> Um, he also wanted to leave us with some recommendations for Ethan Hawke hate. <laughs> but he said, before we get on to purchase tickets for the Ethan Hawke hate train, he suggests First Reformed. Um, yeah, I've heard good things about it. And he, he's been, he got really good reviews for his performance. Um, now, first, I might be confusing First Reformed, though, with something else. He plays else. like um, a pastor in a church, and there's like a scandal in the church. Hmm. And in the, I think I've seen this movie. I think Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried is, in is in it. Yeah, I think I've seen this movie. And it, clearly it, it didn't make much no, of it. But I think I liked that movie, though. I'll okay. have to, I might have to rewatch it. Um, so I do want to address the overarching theme of fatherhood. I mean, I do think that that is a big part of the MCU for sure. But I don't know if it's necessary. I mean, maybe because a lot of the characters um, are male who have the theme. So I think fatherhood or the sense of duty and responsibility for something is is definitely been a theme um the the two sort of main characters that we followed in this are captain america and iron man and both of them have a very different approach to feeling a certain amount of obligation captain america's approach is i am obligated but need to wait to react because his whole point is that's how war starts when you you preemptively do something you got to wait till someone acts and we're here to avenge we're here to make the next step and we will react to anything we see and that's the way we should do about it whereas tony stark iron man has always taken the approach of i want to put a suit of armor around the world i want to protect the world before anything can happen and it's our responsibility to protect it before it happens so it's it's almost this idea of how do you protect and how do you which i do think is like the, the idea of fatherhood is brought into that as well as like the protector or someone who's protecting um someone that they feel needs that so you know i do think it's it's definitely a big theme and, and thanos comes in as this sort of um yeah i would say like the comparisons to an abusive father because he is abusive to his adoptive children but also the way he looks at at solving problems to the universe and the way he pedestals himself is a very different thing but yeah i, I think that that theme has always been part of superheroes it's it's to me what was the most interesting part about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the stuff that leads up to Captain America's Civil War and after. This idea of two ideologies that are different, 
but not necessarily right or wrong and they don't really tell you it's why i love star trek they don't really tell you whether or not it's right or wrong you have to decide that for yourself but they present two opposing sides and say okay there you go um and i i really like what marvel's done with that it's made it a it's made the idea of superheroes less black and white it's shown that there are many shades of gray when it comes to making a decision and i do think that that theme is huge in endgame and shows you why decisions make characters make certain decisions captain america has always been about we've got to let people do what they do and it's not right to to assume someone's going to take a certain action you have to wait and react to be prepared for it um iron man's all been about i don't care i want to put a suit of armor around everyone and protect everyone so nothing bad ever happens and you see the flaws in both of their arguments um throughout the entire mcu so yeah i I agree. I was so stoked for this movie. I'm so glad it happened. I, I was telling Taylor, and I will admit this because I've said this online or on the air before, that I've never cried during a movie. It's true. I've prided myself on it. Ne I never get emotionally connected. You have a bit a of a film. reputation of being heartless. Heartless. And I cried in this movie. Twice. Twice. Near the end. So it's not like I cried because of the emotion of seeing it. it the movie made me cry and tear up. Um, I tried to pass it off as seasonal allergies. No <laughs> one believed me. Um, and that was that was the end of that. But it, it this movie, we're going to dive into it a little bit right now. This movie is, to me, shows a certain emotional maturity from the directors and the writers. This wasn't a bunch of nerds writing a geeky comic book movie. This was a bunch of nerds going, I want to take this seriously and show someone something and make a point and finish off over 10 years of filmmaking in the best way possible and they did that i i cannot say enough how amazing this movie is i'm not going to spoil it and i don't want to get into too many details we might i might do a special podcast or something just about this so i can talk about it but, and have like an alert like a spoiler yeah spoiler alert, alert. yeah because i don't i really think this is the type of movie that you should not be spoiled in you, you just shouldn't be for a lot of reasons you, you you can't know anything going into it or it will ruin the experience and it's only been one weekend so i want to give people more time um but i will say go see this movie it's amazing it's it's film history and you will never ever see anything like this ever again because the next time it's going to be a repeat of of what it was before we've never seen in film something build for 10 years and end in this way so go see it and then he Tyler wants to know where do you see it going next? Oh, um, yes, in th uh, plot and theme. Um, well, it's interesting because I think they've done a really interesting job of filling um, new characters in the past year that we're supposed to be sticking with for a while. Captain Marvel, Black Panther, um, Spider-Man. Ant-Man? Ant well, yes. <laughs> Everyone makes fun of Ant-Man. He's great. Um, and I think, you know, I think they, there's actually an interesting theme developing and a similarity between these characters they all are kind of questioning their role a little bit you know black panther is all about questioning how much should wakanda be part of the the world and how much do they want to be out there and expose themselves and what risks will that be to their society spider-man doesn't know where he fits in terms of is he a friendly neighborhood spider-man and is that what he does or does he deal can he deal is he ready to deal with bigger things um and Captain Marvel about discovering who she is and, and the power that she has within her is it was a big theme of, of her movie. So I think this, this this theme of discovery and this theme of not knowing where to go from here and what role do we play and, and where where do we fit in might be an interesting theme for them to go to go off of. Um, I think we'll find out more in Spider-Man Far From Home, which comes out in July. It's the first 
movie past post Avengers um, to kind of see where things go from here. And I'm, I'm really pumped for that movie. So I think that that might show us a little bit of the theme. But in looking at that trailer, Spider-Man is starting to question where he fits, what his role is, what should Spider-Man be doing? How should Spider-Man help? And is this the Spider-Man from the other um live action movies or is this the spider-man from the cartoon this is the spider-man from the last live action movie which was called spider-man homecoming so tom holland tom holland this is not connected in any way to the previous spider-man or the the um animated uh spider-verse this it. is a different spider-man got it yeah um so yeah i i'm really looking forward to where the mcu goes from here but i recommend people go see that movie and yeah i'll do some sort of a spoiler talk podcast um invite some people who have seen it unlike taylor uh who i still think you should go see it for all the reasons i told you off air and we'll repeat them now i think it's a part of cinema cinematic history i think there's a lot in here as a, a film fan you would enjoy mm -hmm. just in the way they they wrote it and constructed it and the way they kind of played around with a lot of the themes that again you can't even get into themes of this movie without spoiling something well then because don't. of the way it's been marketed i won't <laughs> but i'm just saying you know i i still think i still think you should you should go see it all so, right it's something to think about um anyway thanks to for everyone for their fan questions um just a reminder if you want to ask us any questions simply email us at screening kingston at gmail.com you can also use the hashtag screening in ygk on any social media platform send us a direct message tweet at us we don't care we'll take your questions and read it on air cool okay so let's talk about some movies that we also saw other than avengers um you went and saw the mustang yes so I saw the Mustang. I um, wanted to see it just based on the trailer. It's something that I'm very interested about. I work with the incarcerated, and this film is about a um, convict or an inmate, however you want to, prisoner, however you, whatever phrase you like to describe them as. And essentially, it seems like he's in um, a max, a maximum security or medium security um, institution, um, possibly in Nevada, kind of like desert area. And he um, is like your typical hardened convict, doesn't really want to, um, kind of a loner, doesn't want to integrate into the general population, wants to stay in segregation. Mm -hmm. And his, um, the social worker or his caseworker or whatever says, you know, you're going to have to go into general pop whether you like it or not. So anyways, the premise of the movie is that he gets involved with a rehabilitation program with wild mustangs. And the um, convicts or the inmates have to break these wild Mustangs, so train them, mm. in order to be sold at auction. So it's based on a real rehabilitation program that's throughout kind of the American West, mm -hmm. um, Nevada, California, Arizona, places like this. And um, I didn't, I couldn't find online, but I'm pretty sure one of the characters in the movie is actually a former inmate who is part of the program. Oh, really? That the movie's based on. Oh, so that's cool. <laughs> kind of an yeah. You find out kind of in the credits, they're showing pictures of actual men who have done the program, and then it it shows. You're like, oh, that guy, <laughs> he was in the movie. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just kind of an interesting thing. So, what did I like about the movie? Well, a it it, it has to do with my interests and my mm. uh, work interests. Mm. It's they, they make a point of saying, okay, this is our restorative justice time. Restorative justice is the model that um, my the organization I work for, that's what we use. So I was, oh, I'm like, yes, restorative justice, finally. And then she says, otherwise known as anger management. <laughs> Listeners, 
anger management and restorative justice are not equal things. So if you see the movie, that's my one kind of thing that really <laughs> made me angry. I'm like, I don't know why they conflated those two things. Anger management can be part of a restorative justice model, but um, they're different. So anyways, sorry, that's my little... No, that's fine. Yeah, hey, my little, something you're passionate my, about, you study. And my <laughs> little rant. Um, so, but things I liked about the movie, it is very beautifully shot. So mm. I have said on the show before, I'm when it's kind of like a... Um, when the American country is kind of a character in the movie or should be a character in the movie, right. I always want um, great vistas, great cinematography yeah. of um, the nation. And I've said it before, things like um, Old Man and the Gun and Beautiful Boy, I, I wanted to see more of the American landscape. Yeah. Um, this movie gives you that. So beautiful Nevada vistas, like beautiful shots of the wild Mustangs. The movie opens with Mustangs um, running freely and then being kind of round up with a, a helicopter sent mm. by corrections mm. um, into the institution. So just beautifully shot. Um, I think it was really well acted. The actor is, I think his name is Matthias Schrodinger or something. He's... just he was in Far From the Maddening Crowd. Yes. Um, so what's his name? Matthias. Schrodinger? Schrodinger. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a European name. Yeah. He gives a really um, beautiful performance. There's a subplot that I didn't really care for in, involving drugs, but I think they wanted, um, I think the filmmakers wanted to show you like the realities of prison life, right. um, which is fine. I, I thought the movie didn't need that. Um, Do you feel like it was deviating too much with that or was it really just a subplot that they kind of just threw in there? They incorporated it well into okay. the storyline, but I th thought it was more interested, interesting to focus on um, the development between the men and the horses. Yeah. And, you know, it, most people know that drug drugs are happening in an institution. So... It wasn't something like new, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like yeah, we needed, yeah. like we never have to forget that they're in an institution. Um, and I think they could have shown it maybe in different ways. Um, that's just my personal preference. Other people might find the drug subplot interesting. It is kind of a character piece. Yeah. So for some that maybe um, created some action for yeah. the film. Um, but I think it's well Oops, drop the pen. I think it's uh, well worth a watch. I think it's beautifully shot. I think it has really great performances. Um, it might be maybe a little bit slow for some, um, but for me, it's a, a must-see. It, it's been, it's received a lot of positive reviews. Like a, a lot, I was reading a bunch of reviews on it, and it's received a lot of pretty positive feedback on it. So I yeah, mean, it has like ninety seven on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm pretty, pretty sure. So like, yeah. pr I mean, you always have to take Rotten Tomatoes with a grain of salt. Well, but yeah, like, ninety yeah. seven's pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, maybe like maybe some people might find it, maybe they find it cliche about like you know a, a man being redeemed or whatever. But I think we still need stories like that yeah. like you know we still need to see like human nature being able to overcome yeah. and things like that so i thought it was really well handled i think it was a, a very authentic portrayal of someone who's incarcerated and having to um grapple with their crimes and how those crimes have impacted those around them so again in terms of showing restorative justice they did a really beautiful job so anyone who's interested in either 
prison work or prison ministry or restorative justice frameworks, I think this is a movie to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think if maybe if you think, maybe if you're also on the other side of the thing, maybe you're anti-prison farms, <laughs> you know, maybe you think um, we shouldn't have rehabilitation programs, watch this movie and you can see that, A, it's based on a real rehabilitation program and you see that it does real good. Mm. Um, the movie kind of ends on a bittersweet note, but... Anyways, yeah, I can't. I I have nothing but good things to say about That's this great. movie. Essentially, you so you're giving it a see it. Yes, go see the monster. And especially because, uh, like Kathy said about the giraffes being big on screen, mm -hmm. when you have like the great American landscape, yeah. like the great Nevada yeah. landscape, that's something yeah. you want to see Absolutely. on a big. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's now playing at the screening room, so people can go check that out. Um, and hopefully it'll be here so for a while. There you go. The Mustang. Um, we also wanted to quickly talk a little bit about the movie Us, which has been open for several weeks but just came to the screening mm -hmm. room you and i both saw it um in the multiplexes so we thought we would give a little bit of of background and and talking about us so us is from jordan peele who wrote and directed uh, get out um he wrote and directed this movie as well um kind of along a, a similar horror theme um but goes off into a bit of a different direction um you i read your comments on air and i think we should start with that a few weeks ago for our Star Trek episode where you said um, you felt that filmmakers need to learn to give less exposition. Yeah. Um, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that and how that kind of affected your viewing of the movie? Yeah, so I don't want to um, give too much away um, because it is, you know, a thriller. So it there is. are some, yeah. like, twists and it turns. Really and I don't want to give any uh, ton of the, the twists away. But essentially, um, there's maybe two or three points in the movie where we get a lot of explanation. Like, we get two long monologues yeah. which is essentially explaining to the audience and to the well it's explaining to the characters on screen but also obviously to the audience what's happening you know what i mean like why it, the first monologue is prompted because of the characters say why are you doing this to us yeah and so we get a, a long monologue explaining why yeah. they're doing it to the characters that first monologue was g good i think it was vague enough that it was gave us the information we needed to go forward in the yeah, movie yeah. without um, get, getting rid of the mystique or the eeriness or the creepiness. The one rule about horror filmmaking is what's off screen is always scarier than what's on screen. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, and I f always feel like though people just ignore that when they're making because, horror movies. Because the filmmakers don't believe the audience is smart enough in order to watch movies. Which I mean, to be fair, some audiences aren't as into movies and films as others, so they're not as savvy. They're not as savvy when it comes to to metaphor or you know not really showing everything. So I I mean I understand it. I mean, all, like I think of uh, the last Transformers movie did make over a billion dollars. So I mean clearly there are people out there who will watch garbage, but. I do think that filmmaking audiences still in general have moved to a point where, where they clearly have proven they can take on more intellectual films. I want some credit for the audience. That's yeah, what I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm also not like, I'll admit I'm not the smartest person when I, in the world. So sometimes I need explanation, yeah. which I mean, is I'm why I'm very intelligent. So like, <laughs> I'm just don't give me any, which is why the first monologue <laughs> you needed yeah, the first monologue, yeah, but then there's, Later on in the movie, there's t I think there's there's at least another monologue, maybe a third, yeah. where 
there's more explanation and i think it detracts from the eeriness of the film and it was it also made the film more complicated than it needed to be i lost that anxious feeling you have in your gut you're like, when you're oh, watching that's the horror why movie. they're exactly. here that at one point in time in this film about just over halfway through it i lost that yeah. feeling and i don't think that's good that 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 takes away from the eeriness like you want that unsettling feeling of you don't know what's going to happen next you don't know what's going on you're confused the movie would have been scarier if we didn't know why i agree with you if i'm not i'm not giving anything away but essentially the movie would have been more scary if we didn't know why and they and they do tell you why yeah, I mean, point blank. Of, yeah, and yeah. if anything, it made you ask more questions. Yeah, yes, it did. It made You're you like, go, what? <laughs> that, that, that doesn't really make sense. And I think, I mean, we talked about this off air a little bit. I really, what I liked about Jordan Peele for, for Get Out was he made something that was kind of unbelievable what was happening, like wouldn't really happen. And But you also were like, that could but happen. But you also <laughs> think that could happen. In this movie, I went, there's no way this ever happened or could happen. It reminded me of old, not M. Night Shyamalan movies, but there's a movie called um, The People Under the Stairs, and I forget the name. It's a carpenter. Mm. It reminded me of old John Carpenter movies, but John Carpenter didn't explain, like you think of like the major slash, like, like um slasher flicks the major antagonists in those movies like jason and michael myers you have a little bit of background but they don't tell you everything about those characters they're still mysterious enough that you're afraid of them you know what i mean and i feel like we learned too much about the antagonists in this film for me to be afraid of them i totally agree and i you know that some people are arguing that um Jordan Peele did that on purpose, that we're supposed to empathize with the, um, but he went on record saying the real enemy is us. Which, like, as in, like, I mean, that was was evident pretty clearly in the movie. But But again, over explaining, right? Like, I didn't, he he over explained. I didn't need Jordan, you know, I remember maybe a week after the movie coming being like, Jordan Peele finally explains the ending. And I'm like, you have to be pretty dumb not to understand. The ending was very clear. (laughs) So I don't, I'm talking a lot of smack about the movie. I want people to know I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth seeing. It's not as good as Get Out. But, you know, this is, you know, the sophomore, soft, Sophomore slump, they say. Sophomore slump, yep. um, yeah. Not every movie he's going to make is going to be Get Out. And I think, I because I, I completely agree with you. I enjoyed the movie. I think I like the first half of it better than the second the half. The first half is pretty scary. It is, and it's it's pretty well done. Yeah. And I, w- the more I was confused at the beginning, the more interesting it was. But the more I was confused at the end, the less interesting it was because I think I got everything. It's just I, I there were a lot of questions I had, but none of them were those types of questions you want to have leaving a film. Like, yeah. What's going on? What happened? That was so cool. You I'm like, where going, did they right? get their jumpsuits? Yeah. That's like, what I was. Did, <laughs> how did. This isn't a spoiler either, but like, where did all those rabbits come from? You know, like yeah, it's just, know. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of questions you have at the end of it, and I logistical questions. Yes, and I feel like Get Out was just a little bit more tighter when it yeah. came to that, where there were a little less holes, and even though it was an unbelievable, almost magical situation, just like Us is, you still left it going. Oh, I could see that happening, but I, I, I left Us going. That was a piece of fiction. Which is yeah, like fine. a classic nineteen eighties yeah, exactly. horror movie where not, you're but like, but against fiction is not scary to me. It's not. Yeah. The real world is scary. So maybe I, he bit off more than he could. It yeah. wasn't. He wrote like it was. Both, well, same with Get Out too. He wrote yeah. the scripts, right? Yeah. So maybe 
I think because he was more fantastical with yeah, this absolutely. one, maybe the yeah. storytelling got away from him. And I will say, because I, I do want people to know, I also really enjoyed the movie as well. It's just I have these kind of problems with it. It so. just sucks because his first movie was so good. I know. I know. So, so that's that's, a, that's the thing I would say, say people like I would still say go see it but it's not it's not get out. Like if he you hadn't have have made get out mind. you'd probably be like yeah. wow that was a pretty good horror movie. Exactly. Yeah and you, and be just be open minded which you have to be with any of these types of films and just once you accept what you're being shown you know it gets easier. Yeah. So, so there you go. See Get Out and see the Mustang. See Get and... Out, see the Mustang both at the screening room and yes go see Avengers Endgame. Taylor and everybody else because I know most <laughs> people have already seen Taylor um, because it's so good and I just I mean there's so much more I want to say about Avengers Endgame but I promise I'm going to do I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a special podcast yeah. that will just go out a special episode with just lots about, of alerts. with lots of alerts and you know what we will bring Taylor in for one segment to play a game that I've prepared <laughs> called Avenge Her I Hardly Knew Her um, and this is a game that Taylor and I kind of discussed doing we another dreamed game. Up. Dreamed up a game. It will happen um, on this podcast. It'll be a lot of fun. It's basically putting Taylor in again another position where I will read things and present things, and Taylor will have to guess where it fits into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, having very little to no knowledge of it. So which that'll is always be a lot fun, of fun, you yeah. know, when you throw an idiot into a situation exactly. and have exactly. to say silly things. Um, so that will be the lookout for that podcast. We'll plan it in the next week or so. It'll probably like I'm thinking I'll probably record it this week next week put it out next week like let so there's been time for people to yeah to give see some it. people yeah. some time um, to see it because not everyone yeah. can go to monday exactly. at two o'clock exactly so we'll dedicate a full hour just to talking about avengers endgame and we'll bring taylor in for a little game and that'll be a lot of fun and then i'll be free and then you'll be free to go um but yeah that's uh those are our movie reviews for this week so go see endgame go see us and the mustang lots of great uh movies playing uh, and hotel mumbai hotel mumbai as well um now we're going to uh we're going to move on to to not a great plan um which is it's really nice to still hear some avengers stuff every episode you're gonna hear avengers for the rest of your life (laughs) well don't worry we'll we'll see about that we'll see hence why i don't want to It's time for everyone's favorite segment, beloved by every single listener, Not A Great Plan. Let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod, a super soldier, living legend who kind of lives up to the legend, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella. You've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not A Great Plan. That's right, it's not a great plan where we take a look at headlines and current movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline. Upcoming J.R.R. Tolkien biopic disavowed by author's family estate biographer. Not a great plan. Not quite my tempo. Definitely uh, not the tempo of the family. <laughs> no, and, and I, I heard about this, and this is very fascinating. So um, the the family, so essentially the family's um, 
uh, statement uh, says simply that they did not approve of, authorize, or participate in the making of the film, and that they do not endorse it or its content in any way. The biographer has said, well, at least books, my book sales will go up because people will want to know the true story of Tolkien and therefore they'll read (laughs) my biography. And that, you know, what that statement you just read is like, that's pretty definitive. You know, there's no ambiguity here of, of them objecting. The biographer was like, <laughs> yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. Like, this is wrong. This is incorrect. <laughs> and so the studio has made a statement saying, you know, we love J.R.R. Tolkien and we hope that you'll love exploring um, his life and not his literary works was essentially the statement saying, like, we love him and we hope that, you know, <laughs> just a weird statement being like, essentially like acknowledging what the family has said but that like they're like we haven't worked with the family but we're still really passionate about this movie so it's like well that doesn't really mean much no thanks. not at all thanks for of course you stand by your movie you made it i think um you know when when statements like this come out you know is it it's not a it's not a great plan in the sense that the um, studio just did not work with the family whatsoever. But it's also not a great plan that the family has disavowed it because that it's going to make people want to go see the movie, I think. You know, kind of like reverse psychology. Well, yeah, and I I mean, it's also a bad sign that this movie hasn't even come out yet, so they're seeing, like, screeners and early cuts and saying this already. Well, apparently they... um, They haven't even... They don't want anything to do with the movie. They haven't seen it. They, But, um... I was talking to my boyfriend, Dan, who's a big Tolkien fan. Apparently his son is like the owner of the estate. He's like in his 80s. And apparently he just does not want anyone to touch his dad's life and work. At all? Yeah. So it might be one of those things where it's like the estate will never be happy. So no matter – so you're saying that he's in a position where no matter what you think – there's also the possibility that no matter what it is true or not, they're not going to be happy because they don't want this. Yeah. So how, I wonder how they. Requ- but the biographer is saying. Rights. But then the biographer is saying it's not right. So you have so it even both. The you have it like yeah, both sides. You know what said, I mean? No, like this is wrong. So the studio just went off and was like, well, okay, it's we like the Green Book. It is. The, yeah, it's but the I Green mean, Book still, syndrome where they but, just but make least, their own. But at least Green Book, you have two opposing versions versions of the same story. This is the biographer and the family saying. The studio took – it's not like the – for Green Book, the studio didn't go off and make the, whatever movie yeah. they wanted. The son of one of the he guys, made, yeah. he made the movie. So he said, this is my interpretation of what my father told me of the story. This is no one who had anything to do with J.R.R. Tolkien taking this movie and being like, we're going to make it whatever we want. And I think the biographer said – Oh, with a biopic, you can expect liberties, but this isn't but even... This, yeah, so apparently it's even... So it's not liberties like Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. liberties? Okay. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, yeah. So anyways... Tolkien, like... For, <laughs> I don't even know what and I feel be like in there. It's like pretty bold because no offense to Tolkien, but I feel like the audience for these this movie is going to be Tolkien fans. People who like love The Lord of the Rings. And like have read his yeah, books. Of and course. So they're going to want authenticity. Yes. And it's not like Joe Schmo on the street is going to be like, let's go yeah. see this yeah. biopic exactly. <laughs> about this Catholic author. <laughs> Joe Schmo. So um, I think they're kind of sh- – we'll see what happens. Well, and uh, so do, I think this is really funny that J.R.R. Tolkien and George R.R. Martin – like what is with these R.R.s for fantasy I writers? I don't know. I don't know. Do you I don't put even... R.R. in your – 
if I ever write a fantasy you ever, book. Yeah, you got to be you got to be Taylor R.R. R. R. Curry. <laughs> because if you write a fantasy book, it has to be R.R. There okay. you go. So what's the next headline? Um, Netflix gives up the Santa Clarita diet. A great plan. Oh. No. Not a great plan. Not a great plan. Not quite my tempo. I there tried something new and it didn't work. Um, Which I brought this one up because literally like I think last week or the week before someone asked us what should we stream and I said stream the Santa Clarita diet. It's so good. <laughs> apparently now you can. It's been canceled. <laughs> it's been canceled. Um, <laughs> kind of what's more interesting. Well, it's not a great plan because it's one of my favorite <laughs> TV shows. So I'm pretty bummed and it, end, it ended on a cliffhanger. So um, that's kind of a bummer. But Part of the bigger story here is that Netflix is kind of notorious for canceling popular television shows at kind of random yeah. marks. And um, what happened with all the Marvel stuff? Yeah, it seems random because they don't release their viewership numbers. So what we may perceive as a popular show, you, we don't actually know why Netflix essentially is canceling when yeah. they cancel it. It could be a wildly popular show. Maybe it's not doing so well. Um, so it seems like based on this cancellation, Netflix might be moving towards a three season um, kind of norm where their their original programming will be three seasons. Gets three seasons and that's And it. that's just kind of the wow. model they're gonna be using because um, other shows have also been canceled at three or less. I didn't look ahead at any of your headlines, but I don't know if you also read this about Netflix that they are in a, they're trying to get the rights renewed for The Office from from whatever network has, it has distribution been. it has been renewed yep. because it's it's by like double the amount of views that's how much more like it's double the next number two of highest views. Right. so number one is the office number two is less than half, half of the viewership who list because that's one of their biggest pulls right now they have netflix is you get all of the office i'd love to see how much they paid for it considering how yeah. much they paid for friends and the fact that not only do they have office and the friends it's the fact that I can't, I can't remember what network it is but they're getting their own streaming service the office? You no, know, the network that right. has the office. I don't right. remember it's NBC, NBC or, or ABC whatever. or whoever. Yeah. They're getting their own streaming service, and are we're going to put that on there. But now with this deal with Netflix, they're not. So well, the headline I saw was that the office is saved. So yes. I assume yeah. that it's but saved it must, for Netflix. It must be a lot of money, though, that, that they, they had to pay. They paid, like, millions for, net, for friends. Wow. And how? this is the thing about Netflix I don't understand. How... It costs like, what, $8 or $9? I don't even know how much it costs. 12 now. It's whatever. I don't even pay for mine. It... it how do they have this amount of money? There's a finite amount of human beings in the world with televisions. That's why it's, I don't, the articles I read, they're notorious for not releasing their viewer they don't, no, number, they don't. their numbers. No. And so it's just a really weird business model. People so can't wrap their head around why things are developed, I, why I things are canceled. I can't wrap my head around it. And I've like my whole life has been wrapping my head around numbers and businesses and like I I run have run my own not-for-profit and businesses for years and I have no understanding of how this business model works it is it's like Trump release release yes, the tax it's like Trump. Trump. yeah release it I want to know what's going <laughs> Netflix, on Netflix. it although, doesn't make any sense um last week's headline I don't think we got around to it Netflix has announced that they're slowly going to start releasing these numbers they haven't said yeah. they haven't said when how or what but over time now in the next little bit they're gonna start leaking it's not really a leak because it's yeah. their own information no, it's their but own you know what I mean. but they're, they're gonna release it in small very, portions yeah and yeah, yeah. And it's no, gonna leak great. out in that way well that's very interesting to me but here we go we'll see i don't know yeah. how they compete and i don't know disney i think we talked about it last week disney disney plus is so being released and they said 
we into we know we'll lose money on this because they're going to keep their subscription fee fee very low 6.99 in order to compete yeah. and they said we don't care that we lose money it's disney they don't i can't imagine netflix <laughs> no they no netflix that's all they have they can't do anything so, else um, disney doesn't matter because disney can go sell well it's a monopoly right yeah they can sell merchandise for star wars and avengers for all they want and they can make take a loss in other areas and then yeah. of course their movies make huge amounts of money so you know the, the top two box office movies this week were both disney movies captain marvel and avengers endgame so i you know they they can they can afford to lose money netflix cannot this is all netflix has so we'll see we'll see what, what happens. happens okay next headline the live action rugrats movie is coming and it still sounds hideous not a great plan not quite my tempo um yeah so you probably grew <laughs> i grew up watching <laughs> the cartoon i didn't grow up i rem, i was a little older but i do remember it and yeah. I, I do believe i i watched some of and it, i've yeah. seen the movies like rugrats, rugrats go to paris i think so i saw the first movie rugrats kind of look weird their yes. heads are really big yeah but that's the whole idea of the animation right the, yeah the you rugrats, can yeah. you know whatever so this is going to be a live action movie but they're going to cgi the babies <laughs> wait speechless wait. <laughs> what <laughs> yeah so like the grown-ups will be you know normal actors live action but they're gonna cgi the babies <laughs> so that's why the headline no, still this sounds hideous i wish i wish this was a joke so we don't know how they're gonna cgi the babies <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> Well, Rugrats, Rugrats wouldn't really work if they were normal babies. <laughs> but I think... They're going to CGI the babies. It's like Lion King. <laughs> or like Aladdin. You know how much I hate these CGI live action. <laughs> I, just, I googled CGI babies just to see if there was any... Uh... There's a CGI baby... Your phone and... has no signal, so I can't help you with that at the moment. <laughs> I said the G word and my phone decided to, I have that assistant thing oh. and I said the G word and my phone decided to, but it's not on the internet. So it's right. It doesn't. Anyway, sorry. About the phone that. also cannot help us with these CGI no, the CGI babies. The phone can't help us. Nothing can help us. Um, this is hilarious. Yeah. So there's this, there's a CGI baby in train spotters and it's hideous and i mean they've gotten a lot better with cgi but the cgi full cgi characters of humans they've tried to make in things have you not know looked good not. you know it's cgi just like it's i good think for little snippets to see it once and then it's gone but it's it's very strange when even it's like this human. the cgi lion king i know it's not a real lion no it, it looks cool but, but you know but it's, you know not, it's a not a real lion i know and they're so. trying to trick us well okay yeah let's move on <laughs> Next <laughs> i don't want to talk about this <laughs> Disney's not crazy about all the dang smoking in Spielberg's West Side Story remake. Not a great plan. Not quite my tempo. Um, yeah, okay. So the, I guess there's a lot of smoking in this remake? Well, you know, West Side Story takes place in the 1950s. Sure smoking does. was a normal occurrence until pretty much 1990. Yep. So um, I guess Spielberg wants to make a pretty faithful adaptation, and he had, mm, you know, sense. he had a lot of smoking in it. So this, again, um, like my Netflix headline, it alludes to kind of a bigger story or bigger issue. Disney now owns pretty much everything. And because it's a family-friendly um, organization yeah. or whatever you want to call it, they're starting to censor 
So the fact that they're saying, Steven Spielberg, we don't want you to have smoking in the movie. That's censorship. I forgot that Steven Spielberg was making West Side Story. I know you want to talk about the other thing, but I'm just throwing that out there. Like, well, that's I completely also, forgot I thought this is happening. The second part, yeah, the, the remake, that is also not a great plan because I know how you feel about I, musicals. I, well, first of all, movie musical. Yeah, I, I, hey, I ran a theater company for 10 years. I will go see a musical on stage. Absolutely. There's a lot of value to that. Movie musicals are garbage. There has never been a good one except for Chicago. What about the original West Side Story? No, no, no. Go see it on stage. It's, would. To quote, to quote Ben Charlotte. No, no. <laughs> see, that's what he always says. No, no. Go see it on stage. It's not. The movie versions are never as good. And it, didn't they have like Natalie Wood playing? Yep, Natalie Wood Maria? was. Yep. There you go. There's another problem. Like it's just, I don't know. Natalie I, Wood I, was huge. Yeah, no, she, she, she huge, but she doesn't have the, the she doesn't have the 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 she didn't have the the, the pipes ethnic background. I know she's character. I think she's Russian or Ukrainian. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think you know there's a lot of questions now that Disney has bought. I believe it was Fox. Yes, they bought um, Fox, and yeah. they bought. Um, Everything that goes with Fox. Yeah, because Fox had a... <laughs> a lot of things. They had a movie production. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so there's there's 20th Century Fox and there's Fox Searchlight. Yep. And there was a third one that were all operated by Fox that are now all owned by Disney. So um, West Side Story was originally under a Fox studio. Probably Disney 20th has, Century, yeah, I would imagine. Disney has now bought it. Now they're saying, Spielberg, we have notes. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I think that's, that on that's a not lot. good. Yeah. Um, that's an issue, I think, especially because, like, as much as, as – I mean, we were literally just – well, we, we can't talk about everything we were saying. But we were talking off air about the change of times, and I do think that – by forgetting the past, you're you're dooming yourself to repeat it. So by by eliminating those things, like if it's if it's accurate for characters to be smoking, then it's accurate for characters to be smoking. My concern is that um, for someone who studies in my like academic life, I study business, my and business sponsored media. My concern is with Disney owning everything, we're gonna homogenize our media output. So that's my fear. I think micro. I mean, it's it's different depending upon where it is because the thing about this Disney purchase is it, it's not just the film side of it. Like, you're right. There's a whole media side to this, and there's a whole merchandising side to it. There's a lot of different industries, but for the film industries, I think we talked about this before, I think micro studios are going to pop up. I, I think mean, we're here's hoping. to a situation where micro studios pop up and you end up seeing a little bit more independent filmmakers create their own things, which could be good. But I agree with you. I think they're, the, the only upside so far to this purchase is the X-Men are now back with Marvel. That's the only <laughs> upside I can see this purchase. I think it's... Because originally they were owned by... Yeah, they were owned. Yeah, because Marvel, when the, the company was in trouble in the 80s, sold off a lot of their film rights to different studios. This is before Marvel Studios was created. So the X-Men has been a property of Fox forever. That's why Deadpool and the X-Men movies have nothing to do with the MCU, but now they're going to be all together. That's the only upside to this purchase so far. Otherwise, a lot of people lost their jobs and there's a lot of redundancies. And Mickey Mouse will be dict yeah. essentially our a dictator, dictator now. Yeah. we got time for one more quick headline. Give us one more. Your favorite. Colin Farrell is going to space for a sci-fi Lord of the Flies. Not a great plan. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> this so sounds ridiculous. It's not like a straight, it's not like a straight adaptation of okay, Lord of the so Flies. Okay, so it's going to be something it's a little different. It's just the story is really, you know, familiar, and I'll kind of read the synopsis. Yes, give it to us. Colin Farrell is going up to space with a bunch of young people 
for Voyagers, a sci-fi movie that sounds a lot like Lord of the Flies, maybe Space Lord of the Space Flies. <laughs> That was their description. Voyagers <laughs> is coming from Divergent and Luminous director Neil Berger, and the deadline story says it's about 30 children who are sent on a multi-generational mission to populate a new planet, but the crew descends into chaos and divides up into feral tribes after their captain is killed in mysterious mm. circumstances. So very similar to Lord of the Flies, yes, except yes. it takes place in space. in space as opposed to an island. Okay. Um, we're not sure uh, what character Colin Farrell is attached to. Uh, chances are pretty good that he'll play the captain because, you know, he's an adult. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, but I just think it's not a great plan because it's not a very original no yeah story let's do something different by setting it in space yeah. like it's yeah it's a kind of a cop out well um, unfortunately we're out of time um yeah. that's it for today thanks for uh tuning in everybody and go see some movies <laughs>